You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Hi there, welcome to the 515 Podcast. Uh, this is episode 17. I'm Jason Priestmeyer, here with John Wayne McMahon, as always. How are you doing this afternoon, sir? I'm fantastical. I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> That's great. This has just been weird so far today, yeah. as you will soon find out. Yeah. Uh, we have a special guest with us today, mm-hmm. uh, Clayton Hill. I'm still not quite sure why, but I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah. <laughs> me, me, me too. <laughs> I'm glad Say to be hi, here. Say hi, Clayton. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Clayton. Um, we've started... A new sermon series, um, so that's probably another reason that I'm kind of off my game, because uh, we're talking about a door, and there's a door on the stage at, at the yeah. gym, and I'm still not sure why that's up there either. So. You are too. I explained it. I it's know. All right. Come on. This is for the listener. <laughs> yeah. So, John, why don't you uh, give us a nice introduction to this series? It's called At the Door. Uh, and tell us a little bit about that and hospitality and what we can look forward to over the next few weeks. Excellent. Thanks, Jason. Um, so we're starting this new series, At the Door, and this series uh, is based off of a poem called I Stand at the Door by Reverend Sam Shoemaker. Uh, it's a long poem. I encourage you to go check it out. We, we uh, I shared it in the sermon on Sunday, um, but we won't do that every single week. But um, let me just read the first paragraph. I stand by the door. I neither go too far in nor stay too far out. The door is the most important door in the world. It is the door through which men walk when they find God. There is no use my going way inside and staying there when so many are still outside and they, as much as I, crave to know where the door is. And all that so many ever find is only the wall where the door ought to be. They creep along the wall like blind men with outstretched groping hands feeling for a door, knowing there must be a door, yet they never find it. So I stand by the door. And so... This poem from Shoemaker goes on and on to talk about these different aspects of this door. If this door is the faith in Jesus Christ, stepping through that door, meaning being brought into the family, becoming a child of God, born again, salvation, anything, any way we want to think about that, um, that's what Shoemaker's talking about. And so the importance is for us not to... A, get lost in the door, get lost in the house, and forget those that are groping for the door. Um, Those that may be groping for the door don't even know they're groping for the door to God, but they're looking for something more than what they're experiencing. And so, um, as the the poet says, I stand by the door for those people. Um, In particular, this series, we're going to look at hospitality in some different ways, because in August and September, we see a large uh, group of people come into the church that we haven't seen in a while, Mm -hmm. or maybe they're first-time guests, and particularly um, what I've seen in the Vine, the contemporary service, for whatever reason, we see a lot of those people, first-time guests. And so as the pastors were praying, and, and we had this poem as a devotional one day on one of our retreats, we thought... This is, this is it. This is what we need to cover as our big startup yeah. to the new school year and stuff like that. And um, we found that there's different stages to what this looks like. And so today what we'll talk about and what we talked about this past Sunday was the front porch of this door, the invitation to come up on the front porch, um, the necessity for the body of Christ, for the church to be welcoming to other people not just to the physical building of the church, but be welcoming to the experience of the people of God that are the church in the world. Mm-hmm. And so we as Christians have a duty to be welcoming to other people, to invite them in to experience a relationship with people, 
um, first and foremost, and through that, hopefully with God in some pretty cool ways. And I think that takes some of the weight off of the way we think about evangelism, that dirty E word yeah. uh, that we get scared to share, um, and the way in which we invite people to, to experience God in some pretty cool ways. So does that make sense? Are we all on the same page? Um, I'm going to talk about the text in just a second. Let me real quick uh, just share with you Clayton. If you don't know Clayton Hill, um, he has been a part of this church for a really long time. He just is about to walk the stage at Lamar. Uh, he's finishing up his geology degree. He's engaged to be married. He, um, he helps lead worship and assist in mm-hmm. worship in so many different ways. Great musician, great guy. And so um, he was actually stumbling into my office to pick something up, and we forced him to stay and have a conversation. <laughs> but I think he brings some really cool, unique um, perspectives to this conversation. So uh, anytime I can bring you guys in to challenge me a little bit and ask questions and think through some things, that's a lot of help. So let's look at John chapter 1, shall okay. we? John chapter 1 is what we preached on this Sunday. I encourage you to check out the sermon podcast if you missed it. Um, if you missed being here Sunday, you missed a giant door on the stage. Yep. But um, let me just get us caught up of where we're at. John chapter 1, the very beginning, it's an inter- it's an interesting introduction to this gospel compared to the others, right? So the author of John's gospel is going to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and, and that Word became flesh and dwelt among us and, and walked among us, and that Word was Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And then that is kind of how the whole story begins in John's gospel, whereas in the other ones we start with a birth narrative, and we'll walk through that in different ways. And so John is going to, or the author of John's gospel is going to make the point that um, we need to understand the deity of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came from God, begotten from God, is God, and walked among us, entered into our story. And so that's kind of the background. Then one of the first things he does in the ministry in John's gospel is he starts to call together his disciples. He goes to Simon Peter, he goes to Philip, he goes to Andrew, he calls these guys to come and follow him, these fishermen, and most, and what we see in that situation is they leave everything, they follow after him. We have no idea if there's more details to the story right. that are left out of the gospel. I'm thinking there probably is, that it wasn't simply a, well, you know, I had nothing better to do, so <laughs> l- let's go and leave everything I know and, and follow after him. Yeah. The interesting part of the text that we'll, that we'll talk about is um, John 1, 43 through 51, and I won't read it all. I encourage you to go look at it. But after these guys are called, um, uh, Philip in particular goes to a guy named Nathaniel, and he says, listen, the one who has Jews, we've heard about. Moses wrote about him. The prophets have written about him. We've been expecting God to come and save us. A new Moses, a new King David, mm-hmm. someone to be with us. He's here, and and he is from Nazareth. And Nathaniel immediately goes, well, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Right. There's no <laughs> way from God this person is coming out of this little crappy town, which I wonder how often we've thought that about yeah. other places. Um Side story, I live in Porter, and <laughs> yeah. we're in Kingwood here. When I bought a house in Porter, everyone, a lot, uh, not everyone, but a lot of people went. Still enough people did. Uh, yeah. uh, why are you buying a house in Porter? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, that's what I hear them saying right yeah. now. What? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. What? How could you mean that this 
is the one we've heard about. And what's interesting is, and for our conversation, is Philip does not push into, let me try and convince you that this is Jesus, or let me give you the theological answers, or let me argue with you about this, but instead come and see him. And so that's the simple invitation that happens. Nathaniel gets up, he follows, he comes to see, and then Jesus meets him. And there's an incredible interaction where Jesus tells him about what he was doing before Philip ever got there. Mm-hmm. And then, that was cool. Yeah, and then Nathaniel's convinced, man, like yeah. uh, it's it's locked up from that point. And so that's part of our conversation. Let me set up how we're going to talk about this for a little bit. The invitation to come and see then is the invitation of the front porch at the door that we've talked about. Um, my grandparents had this front porch where they would watch us run around with cap guns and try to, we would play cowboys and Indians, climbing trees and stuff like that. My grandmother was incredible about um, inviting passerbyers to come by and sit on the porch and have a conversation. And I think, and I'm convinced to start this series, what is more important than having all the theological answers, being able to explain the Trinity of God or being able yeah, to explain right. how Jesus is God and Jesus is man or to be able to explain why grandmother got cancer or whatever mm-hmm. whatever is going on, maybe the simple invitation is to come and see what God has done in this community that I'm a part of. Um, and that can happen in, in many different ways. And so that's where we're kind of at. So in light of that, when we're talking about this invitation of come and see, I, I get the feeling that this takes a lot of pressure off the invitation. And, I, and, and I'm doing that on purpose. I think it should. Um, so I want to ask you guys, how does that? How does that alleviate some of the pressure of how we invite people? How does that change the game a little bit when our first move is to, to invite people to a people to come and see and experience what God has done yeah. in our lives? I think it's really awkward. I'm going first, I guess. That's fine. <laughs> I think it's really awkward sometimes um, when you're at work to feel like um, you have to evangelize lowercase e without you know the bad word kind of. But to, to talk about your faith and to extend invitations to people to come, hey, come to church on Sunday. That's a great thing, but sometimes it does, it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, you know. Uh, and, and I think, I look back at things we like our meal packing uh, we did for Haiti last year, and we're going to do it again, where for two or three hours, um, we just have these rows and rows of tables with boxes, and it's a similar line, and people are packing the rice and the beans and the, all the things on top. Yeah. And it's like, that's the kind of thing I wish people could see. If, yeah. if not participating, at least see us. Like, look at this, what, what's right. happening. Look what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it. And that, I feel like, could open up um, kind of that conversation. It's like, mm-hmm. why do you feel so compelled to do this? It's like, yeah. well, I think it's a great thing, yeah. and here's why. And now you're starting a conversation right. without that awkward kind of slap in the face of, so hey, let me tell Jesus. you about it. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. I think there's a lot to be said for... Um, having relationship with somebody, mm-hmm. um, even if it is for two to three hours, that's still a time to get to know someone. And how often do we take yeah. 30 seconds yeah. or 30 minutes to spend time with someone Yeah, um, and get to know about their life, kind of open up to them so they'll open up to you and then you, you have a basis to start with. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, I had a worship pastor one time in Beaumont that would go and meet and play tennis with this guy that, I mean, he just... I don't remember where they met, um, but they would just play tennis together for, you know, two hours every other day. Yeah. For about seven months. Yeah. Went by before um, the guy found out that uh, my pastor worked at church. Yeah. And, you know, had had some quite foul language up until that point. <laughs> right. And then 
changed his behavior because he found out he was a pastor. Oh, yeah. It took like six or seven months for him to find out that, but it was still a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, spending time with that man. Yeah. um, That that, um, my pastor was able to um, not infiltrate, but access or access um, the ability to have that conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that yeah, was... Yeah, that's cool because, like, yeah, that relationship building, the, the opportunity to invite them to anything at that point is, is there's much more of an opportunity in that situation. Absolutely. I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking about when I whenever I go to the golf course by myself, like, this is <laughs> one of my favorite things that happens. Um, I, if you go... My day off is on Friday, but if I play on Friday or play on Saturday... Then if I go by myself, I would get paired with somebody. And right. I just get put in potluck. I could just end up playing <laughs> yeah. with these middle-aged guys usually, yeah. and and so it always takes about four or five holes until they decide to go. So John, what do you do right. for a living? <laughs> yep. And then I'm like, I work for a church. And then they'll kind of like process that for a second. <laughs> They're like, yeah. What do you do at the church? And then I say I'm a pastor, and they're like, "Oh, bleep! Like, yeah. <laughs> sorry for all the bleeping bleep. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like they just start apologizing <laughs> and acting different. Right. And then they start um, like making up cuss words, like fake cuss words, whenever they screw up the nice. rest of the time. Yeah, like, yeah. like, guys, calm down. Like, you know. <laughs> and so uh, it's so awkward because now I can't really offer the invitation. Everything's obligatory at that exactly. at that time. Exactly. You know, exactly. Stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. But I laugh because that's really cool. I love what your worship pastor did to spend time because that's the most important thing the most important thing is to love them the way Jesus loves them to get to know them and actually seven months is well spent instead of 75 failed invitations mm-hmm. because I didn't get to know someone yeah. you know exactly. what I mean exactly and, and they didn't trust me enough to come and see that yeah and part of the thing that's so front porch right yeah. and I really want us to get that imagery for our listeners I want you to see the front porch even if you never had a front porch Jason was telling us this his house growing up had a zero front porch with cobwebs and no one used it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Even like, I want you to see the imagery of the front porch that we've all dreamed about, right? Where my grandmother's inviting people up to have lemonade and to sit down and talk. Um, that relationship allows the ability for us to have those conversations. Yeah. I want to tell you guys a story about um, my cousin Clayton. You were at UM Army when this happened, right? Um, So last year, my cousin, um, well, it was my cousin's stepdaughter, and so she's a cousin somewhere down the line. Um, She uh, was having a tough summer, and so I told my cousin, will you let her come to UM Army with us? Mm -hmm. She was at the right age, and so she goes off to UM Army with us, and um, really I felt like this was an invitation on the front porch to come see a group of people to come see a new way of life, to come see um, what else life could look like in a little different way. And so she came and she was a part of UM Army. That was the invitation of the front porch, not patting myself on the back. Um, I was just trying to help my cousin out, and God really worked and worked used through, that. Yeah, sure. Then let's you can see this front porch imagery play out. Then she's working on this lady's house, um, this little old lady who halfway through the week calls her over to herself on the front porch. Mm-hmm. And on that front porch, um, this lady told my, uh, my cousin about things that have happened in her past that not even I knew, that no one knew that God had shared with her a Whoa. special word of knowledge mm-hmm. so that so yeah. that my cousin could know that God is real. 
Yeah. And so when we read this story in John chapter 1, uh, um, Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see. And when Nathaniel comes, Jesus meets him. Yeah. Okay? And yep. that's the story of this poem that Shoemaker wrote, that it is not it is not Clayton's hand. It is not my hand that unlocks the door for Clayton, but it's Clayton's touch and Jesus meeting us on the front porch. I can't save anyone. Yeah. And and this, this experience with my cousin was God meeting uh, her on the front porch because people invited her to see a different way of life. Yeah. And so that is so important for us. Now, let me ask you guys another question. How does this look like then in our everyday life? Like, how do we practice this in the way that we live? Um, I'm going to start off with a Remember the Titans quote. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Squeeze that in there. Yeah, I knew um, we had him here for a reason. That's what <laughs> it was. Yeah. Um, is it a Denzel quote? It is not. Ah, okay. Player's quote. Second place. That's all yeah, right. Well, I'm sorry. Um, uh, attitude reflects leadership. Mm. Um, and I think that is definitely an, a, a way to say, who are you letting lead your life? Yeah. Um, that woman was able to talk to your cousin because she was hearing from yeah. the leader of her life. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that, that's a huge um, impact and a question. Yeah. That is a daily question, everyday life. Yeah. Um, who are you letting lead your life that day? Mm-hmm. Right. How'd you start your day? Right. How was your first reaction to that person that cut you off this morning on I-10? Yeah. Um, that wasn't good for me this morning. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot um, of everyday life moves yeah. and decisions yeah. that we make. Yeah. And that forms. That's, that's huge because, Clayton, what I hear you saying then is that if you're not positioned in a place where God is is directing your life, then you may miss these opportunities, right? To, Absolutely. To even give this invitation. Or ruin, well, I don't say ruin, but damage your witness with those people. Yeah, yeah. And so they wonder why they, why should they follow you? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or listen to what you're saying. Right. Well, I mean, think about this again. Um, think about the person that exuberates a different way of life, like peace in the middle of chaos. Hope when things look hopeless. That's that, attractive stuff. That, that person that we know, we all have those people in our life that there's always a peace about them, even when things are really stressful. Right. Or they always have a joy that just doesn't make sense. Well, that invitation from that person to come and see is going to be much more impactful than someone who is living this chaotic, up and down, weird faith that is there sometimes and not there in other times. And that's not to convict I mean, maybe it is to convict us a little mm-hmm. bit, but it's not to wag the finger at, at you or, or any of us. It's to say it's so important to be connected to Jesus, right? To be positioned, yeah. to receive God's love, so then I can look for opportunities to extend that love. Absolutely. I think there's a lot to, um, to be said for accepting Jesus, but then again, making him Lord of your life every single day. Yeah. I feel like that's a constant renewal, Yeah, not a, uh, okay, I did it that one time in third grade or seventh grade when I when I the invitation or uh, altar call was right. at camp right right um, which I know we, we talk about all the time but there was a uh, um, the thing one of the things that I like about at least what I've experienced here mm-hmm. um, one of the things after I got uh, after I had my relationship with Christ uh, started at UM Army as well um, it wasn't after an altar call it was during a prayer walk and mm-hmm. just a time of meditation and um, deep introspection but I say that to say, um, here at King United Methodist, after I got saved at camp, we came back and things were normal. Um, and I didn't come to church for two years. Oh, wow. Yeah. And yeah. then I came back my senior year and there was no altar call 
at the end of the service. There was, but I finally started listening to sermons. Yeah. And um, I grew up a little bit, I guess. So once yeah. I started listening to sermons, I heard God speaking. Yeah. And I didn't know exactly like what that meant or what that was. But I had questions and I had doubt and I was wondering. Yeah. And this place, uh, God provided an environment for me to ask those questions. Um, and those started with, I asked those people that I had relationships with and they said, come and see. Yeah. And they said, here's what I've experienced. Right, right. And, um, and that's when I realized that I was saved the whole time. Yeah. But... Did I was I letting God be Lord of my life? Yeah, and those started with those people that had relationships with me, yeah, and then told me to come and see. So just yeah. reinforcing that's the fact. huge. And I like in the scripture how when um, you know Nathaniel meets Jesus, Jesus yeah. already knows him. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I think that can help reassure people who who um, maybe you're saying, "Hey, come and see" to someone who has all who's fallen out of church. They haven't been since they were a kid or right. ten years or whatever, and feel like. I just can't go back now. It's been so long. I won't know anybody there, or I'll I'll, right. be, I'll be embarrassed because I haven't come to church in ten years. You know, yeah. but don't worry about it because Jesus knows you. You know, and he's he's welcoming you. He's like, come on. Yeah. Another great thing about these events that we have: Haiti food packing, feed my lambs, mm-hmm. um, uh, any kind of youth retreat that we do, student stuff, or even uh, walk to Emmaus, maybe a little extreme, but um, things that we do. They're they're more events that we put on that provide an opportunity to make relationship yeah. with that person instead of saying, come to the building yeah. for a building activity called church mm-hmm. where we have this awkward singing session yeah. and um, <laughs> some people just stand there, which is fine. Uh, but you come and listen to a guy yell at you for an hour and then you go, yell. Uh, well, you not told him. <laughs> no, um, there's those, those events. And I love that about this church. Those events are essential to opening up the door for yeah. relationship, not just with each other, but for Christ and, and God to come into their life. Yeah. yeah. Jason, you had a cool epiphany this week when you're thinking about the door. Why yeah. don't you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, it was just, the timing was so crazy because I was, for like three days in a row, I had some guy knocking on the door. First, he rings the doorbell, my dog's barking, and then mm-hmm. I go and I look out the wind, the peephole, and there's a guy with a clipboard. I mean, this is, this is happening, right? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man. So the first time I'll open it, and, and he's like, hey, I'm going to sell you this. It's siding or whatever it is. And I'm just like, we're not interested. Um, go away. And yeah. then I found myself, man, the third day in a row, it's like, what is going on? It's right before dinner time, and I'm peeking out the people, but I'm like, I'm not going to answer it. Yeah. And the guy knows I'm there because my windows are open, and I'm playing Xbox, and yeah. you know, I clearly see it. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm not opening it. And I'm like, man, what is going on? Because... It, when I get emails now, yeah. they're junk, and I ignore them. When I yeah. get when I go to check my mail out of the mailbox, it's junk mail. So it's like I'm not getting anything I like. And people who come to my door, I don't want them there, you know. So we used to have a no soliciting sign. And I'm yeah. thinking, man, where did that go? And we need to get a new one. Yeah. You know, go away, <laughs> guest not welcome, whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, what does that say about me or maybe our society? If I take kind of the, yeah. the weight off of my, my shoulders, but that I don't want people to come to my door when the opposite should be the true. I should want people to come and like, hey, come up on my front porch and let's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and let's get that little, that get to know you session. That's like, what? And then I come to church and we're talking about the same exact thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like, that was just, that struck me as weird. I'm like, okay, I've got to bring this up on the podcast. Because- so, so like uh, the similar experience happened to me the other day, Terminex guy, and I was convicted by this too. 
Terminex guy comes by, and I have a pest control that we use that's pretty like pretty dirt cheap, mm-hmm. and so I I'm, I know Terminex is gonna start with like. Um, Man, I hope I'm not doing anything by dog and Terminex. But if you're out there and you're listening, sorry, guys. But um, I know that they're going to – they start with the whole I'm giving this neighborhood a special because a bunch of houses oh, are getting involved yes. and blah, blah, blah. And I really just kind of shot it down and said, listen, tell me your bottom line because I – and he said, well, tell me your bottom line. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, I've got a company that gives it to me for $50 uh, every uh, quarterly. Yeah. Can you beat that? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, game over. Let's get get on with this. I, I remember what it was. I was on my lunch break, and I was in a hurry. I was oh. just trying to chill, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then this this is where I, yeah. Well, I, I was in a hurry to eat, and I just wanted to rest for a little bit before yes, I took yeah, off to exactly. go to work. Then... Um, <laughs> Then he does this. It's a million degrees outside, okay? And then he goes, can I have a drink of water? Oh. And I'm like, why didn't you offer this guy a drink of water? Like, You've got the best water, too. I, yeah, I do. We got that And so I'm sitting here going, oh, my gosh. All you're thinking about is yes. getting rid of this guy oh, instead man. of, like, offering him some, toss him off the front some porch. fellowship and community. So with go. that being said, Jason, <laughs> when... Where in our lives are we putting up no solicitors, please? Right. Right? That's a great question. That's Where great. are we sending that? Yeah. I don't, not only am I not extending an invitation, I actually don't want you to bother me. Yeah. And I think that we do that <laughs> unknowingly in many different yeah. ways. This stems back to what Clayton was saying. If I get cut off on I-10 on the way to work, or if I have something difficult happen, or I get stressed out, then now I've allowed myself to be distracted by those circumstances, and I've got a no solicitor sign up, and I don't even care about you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be bothered by you. What if so, Jesus did that? Yeah, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> uh, think about it. I mean, awful. think about when Jesus feeds the uh, feeds the thousands, the multitudes with yeah. the bread and fish, right? If you read through those gospel narratives, they were about to retreat to get rest. And then all of these people come that need to be fed. Yeah. And he says, no, we need to do this. The disciples are like, will you send them all away? We're worn out. Yeah. Uh, we can't handle this. They're like, no, you feed them. You need to feed them. Yeah. And then they find the rest later. That's the same thing. Like, yeah. we, we just need to understand that, um, man, whatever we're going through, it's so much smaller. It's dwarfed in comparison to what God's done to transform our lives. So that in any given situation, my prayer is that I don't have a no solicitor sign up. But I'm actually looking for people to offer this invitation to come and see to something yeah. bigger. Yeah, and are we leaning into Christ to give us strength and patience? Yeah, where our flesh may not want that. Yeah, but is that our is that our prayer and first right. concern is others, just right. like His was, or is it ourselves? Right. Okay. So let me let me share this quote. Okay. Um, I shared it Sunday, and I, I was sharing it with y'all a minute ago. And then I want to segue into one more topic before okay. we close it out, okay? So this quote is from Brian Stone. He's talking about the challenge of sharing our faith in uh, what what we call Christendom or after Christendom. Yeah. Christendom is where Christianity is just a given, right? Mm-hmm. It's just a part of what who we are. And in the United States, um, even 30 years ago, if you moved to a town and you were Methodist, you just found the nearest Methodist church, you walked in and did that, right? Yeah. Um, or if you were the Methodist church and you wanted to put a church somewhere, you just put up the Methodist flag and people would come. Mm-hmm. That's no longer the case. Like People Not don't just come to your church anymore. Right. Um, uh, faith, is, faith is pushed to the edge of culture. It's getting to the point where we're peculiar for following this guy named Jesus. 
Um, and Christianity and culture are really starting to lengthen that divide. That Very gap is, is, sure. is growing. So in light of that, this is what Brian Stone says. To offer Christ is to offer the reign of God proclaimed by Christ, present in him and offered to the world in his life, death, and resurrection. Let me stop there. What Brian Stone is saying is to offer Christ is to say that Jesus is alive, that he has walked among us, he laid his life down, he was resurrected, and he desires for us to be made new, to bring us into the family, to show us something new. And so that is what the witness is. The church, this is a continuing the quote, the church offers Christ by telling his story and also by embodying that story in its worship, ministry, and obedience. But while this offer has experiential and cognitive dimensions, it is not in the first place the offer of an experience of Christ or a set of beliefs about Christ, at least not as those are configured within the modern logic of desire, production, and exchange as commodities to be possessed or consumed. And here's what that means before I finish the quote. What he's saying is, is that it, to offer Christ to the world is not simply to offer a great argument for your problems. Right or to give you some kind of intellectual assent, mm-hmm. or even to offer some kind of great feel-good experience, because we can chase experiences all the time. Mm-hmm. But instead, Brian Stone says, quote, the offer of Christ is instead the offer of a peoplehood, of participation in a body. It is the offer of a way and, a, and of a formation by the Spirit into that way. So what he's saying is this offer, this evangelistic message that Christianity has to reclaim, that the church has to reclaim, is that we've got to get back to inviting people to the community that's on the front porch. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got to get back to say, I'm a part of something that has changed my life. And what I want us to press and what I want us, I'm preaching here to think about this week is it's not necessarily the front porch of KUMC. It's not necessarily to come to the physical building of this church. Although I think this church, you will find God in community here. What this is, is to invite people onto the front porch of your life faith that you've experienced in God wherever you are. It's in community. It's in your house. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your workplace. And if those people never come to church with you at KUMC, but they have encountered the Jesus Christ that transforms and changes us from the inside out, then praise be to God, right? And that's where we need to know. So it takes the pressure off us. Jesus meets us on the Mm -hmm. front porch. We don't have to have all the answers, but we're inviting them to experience something, to come have dinner with your family. To, um, to, to go work out with you, to go play tennis or go play racquetball or to play Xbox or to go to a movie to hang out mm-hmm. and to experience what you've experienced, that peace and hope and love and joy that surpasses all understanding. Now, with that said, let me try and shift a little bit. It's been a crazy week uh, with the stuff that's happened in the media, with the stuff that's happened, I mean, not in the media, but what we've seen in the media right. from what's taking place in Virginia. Now, without going, I don't want to go so far as getting political, um, but what I want, want us to talk about is why this, this message that we're sharing together is so important in light of what's going on there. Okay, so let me, let me Clayton, ask you this pointed question. What do young people, yeah. college-age people, young folks, what do they want to see from the church in light of what's going on in Virginia? I'm glad you asked that. I was thinking about it today. Um, I think... Um, Personally, I want to challenge mm-hmm. um, a, a, a way, and there's many ways, um, but a way, a specific way to get into touch with this, the world again. Mm-hmm. Like, 
um, instead of having to go to Africa for a mission trip, why can't we go, um, I guess, to Charlottesville yeah. or, um, you know, somewhere else um, in, our, in our own, you know, country? Uh, there's a lot of, of unrest, as we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but to know that there's a, there's a step-by-step method, I know that this is impossible because um, relationships aren't step-by-step. Yeah. Um, so I think a challenge and a practical, a practical step-by-step application yeah. um, would be um, something that young people would be able to be like, okay, I can do those things. Yeah. This is the challenge. Um, the challenge is not for me to get a blue ribbon at the end, yeah. but it is for ultimately furthering the kingdom. And I think that comes with yeah. good theology yeah. um, and understanding of the mission. Right. Um, but also hearing the mission of the church again. Yeah. So what is that? Like um, the Great Commission, yeah. for instance, is probably what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that and setting that before a group of like-minded individuals that want to expand the kingdom for Christ's glory alone yeah. um, would be the, the step-by-step, I guess, application. Um, because we're used to, I guess, young people nowadays, we get told how to take a test and we take that test. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what we have learned. Yeah. We don't know the material. We know how. Right. So I know how to be Christian, yeah. but I don't know the material. Yeah. So getting in touch with the material and the writer of that material, mm-hmm. which is God-inspired and breathed. Yeah, and here's where I think that where what I think is important is that, and I may push back a little bit too, is that. Yeah. Um, Maybe what we what the church needs is not necessarily a step by step method, but it's to be empowered to go and live out your faith in such a way. Because I don't think, I don't think you want what the church's method is so far. I think you, I think that you need to be empowered to live this faith in in an interesting way. Jason, what are your thoughts about um, what you want to see from the church, and how do we respond in in light of some of the things going on in Virginia? I think a lot of what I see online, um, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, there are responses that I don't like. And even if I might agree with the point of view of the person making the response, I don't like the way they're handling it Mm -hmm. or the way that they're um, presenting that, their argument or their their feelings on the matter. Um, You know, what happened does not have to have a you're either on these guys' side or you're on the other guy's side. I, yeah. I think that's the wrong point of view to take right. here. Yeah. Absolutely. That's there, a two-party system. Yeah. yeah. You know, there is evil happening, and you're either for the evil, mm-hmm. which I hope you're not, right? But or you're for good, which mm-hmm. is what Jesus has taught us to do and to be for. Um, so I, I, I would like, I, I don't know, back to the original question, um, people to really think about what they believe in and what they're told they need to do and how they need to react to evil in the world. Yeah. And I would hope that I would see less of, well, such and such had it coming or that kind of crazy response. And yeah. I would like to see more of, we need to stop this. We need to, to, yeah. to teach love and live our lives that way and show other people that way. It goes to show that the... the the heart of man is not good. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not because when we're left to our own devices, this is the things. These are the things that are happening. We said earlier that um, that the church and the world are 
further apart right. now than, than probably they, ever. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of of un, undeserved hate towards, I guess you could call it organized religion. Yeah. Yeah. Institutional. Yeah. Institutional. Yeah. Institutional. Yeah. That's what you'd call it. There's a lot of um, already preconceived hate towards that. Yeah. And I think that either we're going to get to the point where we find, okay, we all figure out that man is not good and we look for something else. But right now we're rejoicing in the fact that man has, uh, I don't know, uh, become victorious over organized religion with um, recent laws that have been passed and recent acts of violence and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But point being, we have found, or at least the church side of things are seeing there's a real issue yeah. that people aren't seeing. They think that more of themselves are going to be their, the solution. Mm-hmm. But as we see that, it's more and more the problem. Yeah. yeah. But the church, I feel like, is the only side of that that sees it that way. Yeah. The people, the secular world is saying, well, let's just try another group of people to yeah. lash out against or be a part of. Yeah. And that will solve the problem. Right. But really, we're not examining what the creator of all of this earth intended. Yeah. And we're getting further away from the purpose that we have. So we are essentially, I don't want to say like wiping ourselves out, but yeah. like we're dooming ourselves kind of deal. Well, like, and, and let me let me wrap up with some thoughts because I think we've gone long today. So I think um, I got to be really careful how I say this. And I'm going to quote from Bishop Scott Jones, the bishop of the Texas Annual Conference of the United Methodist Church, because I think he says it well. But we... As the church need to condemn evil, we need to call it what it is. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. and so, and and let me just say that I think that evil is is happening. Evil is happening in the Nazism, the white supremacy that's happening mm-hmm. that ha- we saw this week. But anytime any side of any group picks up weapons to harbor fear and to cast fear onto other people from either side of this aisle that's been made that is evil and that's not what the church stands for and so i just want to be clear about that and evil begets evil and it brings evil out of other people i agree you know if you don't if you're not careful but let me let me take this home with this let me quote bishop jones it is a deep affront to the greatest generation that their sacrifice in defeating racist anti-semitic nazism is no longer respected when nazi slogans Nazi salutes and Nazi flags are combined with racist slogans, racist chants, and racist flags in public demonstrations. Christians must stand up and bear witnesses to the truth of the gospel. We must name evil and condemn it before it gathers strength. And so, two points here. We must absolutely name evil and condemn it before it gathers strength on either side of the aisle, right? Mm-hmm. On either side of it. Yeah. In particular, and people wonder why my, why the Christian church has responded so hard against white supremacy and mm-hmm. not against other people that have done this. Well, listen, the white supremacy group this week has has claimed to come from a Christian standpoint, at least to some extent. And so, and we want to stand with our brothers, our African-American, our black brothers and sisters and say this, we won't stand for this. That here's the most important point though, is I look at my Facebook post and I see bishops and pastors and people that are posting. I think it is all good and fine that we make these statements and declare this. But I want to challenge the people, listeners, and for us in Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas, 
that we need to see the good as well. We need to focus on what God has done in our lives, and that message better be the most important thing that we share with the world. Mm -hmm. And we need to quit being so passive about it, and we need to invite people to come and see. If I uh, grow up with an abusive dad, and I look at my dad and go, I don't want to be like him, 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 what happens? I end up being like him. And so instead, I want most of my focus to be what I want to be like. And I want to be like Christ, and I want to be like the church that is offering a hand to those that are hurting and that is trying to unite people that are divided. And I want this invitation to come and see, to go to everyone. And I want our church and our community to do that. And so that's got to be the primary focus. Even as we condemn evil, we also need to focus on what is good and actually doing it. Because a lot lot of us that are condemning evil are not parts of community that we even want to invite people to come and see. And so what good is that from the Christian church. For the church to do anything in this kind of stuff, we need to take a stand, but we also need to make sure that we're positioning ourselves in the grace of the Lord and we're being faithful to him and inviting people to come and see what that looks like. All right, listen, we've got an email set up podcast at kingwoodumc.org so when you're listening to this podcast or you have questions after sunday please Mm -hmm. email us this or give us any feedback we're really open to that we're trying to create a loop where we can hear from our listeners um it would it would make us feel good to hear from you uh to let us know you're listening at it's podcast at kingwoodumc.org and so I invite you to do that and we record on Tuesdays so it, if, if you can send it yeah Sunday if, if it's about the previous Monday, Sunday yeah, yeah, yeah do that perfect. Sunday evening or Monday um, the rest of the series is I'm really excited I hope you can join us live because uh, I'm excited about the journey that we're going on but um, please stay tuned in the podcast and follow along because I think the Lord is leading us on a journey to see what this looks like to be a witness into the world what it means to be hospitable uh, because Jesus has done that in our lives, and we want to share that with the world. Yeah. Cool? Yeah. Very good. Guys, thank you very much for being here. Clayton, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having thanks me on. Yeah, bro. It's awesome. All right, we'll talk to you all next week. <laughs>